Hi, I'm Taylor Rooks. In this episode, I sit down with Dallas Maverick governor and entrepreneur Mark Cuban. We talk about why he bought the Mavs, why Luca is a superstar, how brutal NBA Twitter can be, and a little glimpse into Party Mark. Enjoy. What's up, up, Mark? How you doing? I'm great. How are you, Taylor? I'm so good. You know, normally I would say welcome, but we're doing this in your domain. Welcome. Yeah, I'm so happy (laughs) to be here. So this is what? Admin... Sales. Yeah, so there's two sides. This is the um, back office side. Okay. And then on the other side is the practice facility and the um, front office side. Yeah, no, it's it's so beautiful. I was just saying to Jackie, it's like, it looks like a startup, like the layout yeah, of it. Yeah, that's the open, whole idea. Like, you did yeah. that on purpose? Yeah, I do it for all my companies. It's yeah. not like real fancy or anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not big on spending money on furniture or right. offices. I'd rather put it on the court. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's yeah. very hip in here. Um, okay, so last time I saw you, I saw you, but you didn't see me. It was after, I think, Game 5 of Western Conference Finals, and it was like you, Dirk, Luca, Chet Holmgren, all talking all in the hallway. After the game, yeah. Yes, everyone's snapping pics. What do you remember about that conversation with all those guys? Um, just trying to come down from being pissed off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I mean, seeing Dirk and Luca is always fun. Met Chet for the first time. And, yeah. You know, any good kid that was pre-draft so any kid coming in is always excited and yeah obviously you know him meeting Dirk and Luca he didn't care about me he didn't even know I was there <laughs> yeah, he's like I just want to meet these guys These guys, yeah so when I see Luca and Dirk and give me your thought on this because I go back and forth on it all the time I'm like is it unfair the way that like fans and the media almost put on Luca like well you have to be what Dirk was that's what you have to mean to the Mavericks yeah, it is a little bit unfair, but the good news is they've got similar personalities in a lot of respects. Mm-hmm. If you knew Dirk when he was 21, 22, 23, you would not like, if they look the same and you would just judge their actions, yeah. they're a lot the same. In what ways? Just their attitude towards life, having fun, focus on the game. So work hard, play hard, basically. Yeah. But they, they kind of pick their spots and, you know, Dirk, it was a little bit more difficult because he had more challenges with the language than Luca does. Mm-hmm. Luca speaks like 30 languages, um, but they're, they're so similar in so many respects. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think it seems like Dirk genuinely is like a mentor to Luca. Oh, yeah, without question. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they love each other. They're, they're close. I mean, yeah. you know, I've been on some of the text chains. They're insane, first of all. But... Um, <laughs> They really do care for each other. It's not like, oh, the cameras are on. Let me give you a big hug. Mm. They'll spend time together. They'll get together here. They'll get together in Europe. They'll get together wherever they can. Um, There's just two good guys hanging out. Yeah. So when I spoke to you after the bubble, we were talking about Luca for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you said that you'd asked him, okay, what are you going to add to your game this Mm -hmm. offseason? And at that time, it was that he wanted a left hand and he wanted to be able to finish. And that was what he added in the bubble Without question, yeah. So what have, have you asked him that question? Yep, but I can't tell you. (laughs) What? Why? You told me last time. No, I know. It does. I can't tell you. But yeah, it was, it was, it was crazy what he, what we talked about adding. And so we'll see. I don't want to, I don't want to jinx him, but if you see something, you're going, where the hell did that come from? You'll know that's what it was. Okay. Just tell me like, is it a move? Is it just a, okay. It's a move. Okay. So what would you want him to add? That shot because it's insane. So Two things that, you know, the move that um, that will not be disclosed. And I think I think he's going to learn how to use the backboard. I think that's going to be a thing in the NBA. 
where, you know, you see guys who are athletic throwing the ball off the backboard and finishing with the dunk. But I think strategically, you're going to see it added um, into the NBA. And that, I think Luca's going to benefit, hopefully will benefit. So that, that's a, kind of the, the weird stuff I talk to him about. Yeah. Like, I'm, you know, it's like stuff that is so, so bizarre that nobody else would really consider or do it. Yeah. But that's the stuff I like to talk about. Okay, give me another example of the weird stuff. No, that, I mean, that, that's as weird as it gets. Like, Luca, if you're down in the paint and you don't have what you want, and you're doing all your stuff, just toss it up against the backboard, get it back, reset the three-second clock, and go back to work. You yeah. know? And, you know, he kind of rolls his eyes, but that's, we'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I love that that's your off-season question to Luca. It's like, what are we going to see you add next season? Because you said, you know, the greats every season, they every come back with something new. Dirk would, you know, we always had that conversation and Dirk wouldn't tell me, he would just show me, you know, yeah. he said, just watch, I'm working. You know, yeah. everybody that's ever been really, really good um, that we've had here has always come back with something more. And that's what makes him great. Luca mm-hmm. hasn't hit a ceiling yet, not even close. Yeah. So what is that? What is that Luca ceiling? You know, he keeps on getting a stronger and stronger feel for the game. Um, and his teammates and integrating it all together. You know, there's one thing to be great, put up points, assists, rebounds, etc. It's a whole nother thing to understand the time and place during any game to know what needs to happen with your teammates. And I still, I think he's good at it, but he's on his way to becoming great at it. Mm-hmm. There aren't a lot of the guys in this league that can lift their teammates to a, a, a whole nother complete level. Lots of guys can take over a game, but there aren't a lot of guys that can help their teammates take over a game yeah. or pick which teammate will take over the game or which combination of teammates will take over a game mm-hmm. on both sides of the ball. And Luca's got that unique ability. What game this past season did you see that the most? Phoenix game seven. Yeah. yeah I mean, that was just, I, I'm, you know, it was just like, don't pinch me. You know, it was just, <laughs> you know, where that first half, it was his game. And then the second half, it was, okay, let's let our guys do their thing and, and have their role and, and amplify their role and make them better. Yeah. You know, people underestimate the value of a player who can make his teammates better. You know, I think LeBron's like that, but there aren't, aren't many where you just say, you know, it doesn't really matter who you put around him. Dirk was like that. You know, a lot of people said prior to our championship season, you know, there was Dirk and Manny Moe and Jack, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we kept on winning 50 games and making and, and making the playoffs. And so it takes a really special NBA player to be able to make everybody around you better. Yeah. I mean, and when you talk about that series, obviously a lot of discourse right now about the fact that you all are going to match up again um, next season. Yeah. But what did you learn about Luca and Devin Booker? in that series. I mean, I'm not going to talk about book, you know, it, it's tough when, you know, we've been on both sides. We lost in yeah. the conference final. So, you know, he, he's a great player and he'll do great things, but you know, Luca's got that eye of the Luca. I'm not even gonna say eye of the tiger, but he just yeah. gets that, you know, that look in his eye where, okay, this is what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. you know, and this, whatever it takes. And he just reads the game so well, he doesn't have, he, you know, some guys have two spots on the court. Right, or they have one thing that they'll do all the time, or they'll get to the left and they'll get a shot. Luca could be anywhere, anyhow. You don't know what he's going to do. Now he likes the the step back three pointer, but he can be anywhere in the court yeah. and he's going to be dangerous. Can you always like see when that look comes from him? Well, it depends on the game, right? Yeah. Because there's some games where it's hard, <laughs> and you know, it, it, people don't realize the mental challenge to play 82 games. That. You know, you're not going to get up at the same level for every game. You're going to play hard, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's, you know, guys don't always respect every team at the same level or every Mm -hmm. player at the same level. 
And so when Luca really feels that there's a challenge, I know, you know, he's going to work. Yeah. And when he doesn't feel there's as much of a challenge, you know, he'll, that's games where he'll like, okay, go to his teammates and say, this is your chance, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to let you shine Dodo. We're going to let you shine Maxi, whoever it may be. Yeah. So I think you may have touched on the answer for this a bit, but I want to get your perspective on it. We talk a lot about what's a star. We talk about what's a superstar. Yeah. To you, what is the difference and where is Luca right now? Star is somebody who can help a team win. A superstar is somebody who can will his team to win. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's not working, you're, you find there's a superstar will find a way to win the game on either side of the court. You know, there, there are a lot of great players. There are a lot of stars. But come crunch time, they might not want the ball. They might not even be able to get a shot off. And that's where the league has changed a lot. And that's one of the reasons we were so excited to trade to draft Luca, Because in, my, in our opinion, the best players are the ones that can bring the ball up to court and impact the game however they need to, passing, mm-hmm. shooting, rebounding, whatever. Whereas with other players who may be stars, they need somebody else to get them to their their spots where they need this, um, somebody to get them the ball. And in this day and age with all the spacing that we have, you know, when that person is the same person, right. Mm-hmm. They can be unstoppable. Yeah. And where do you feel like Luca is at this moment? How does he make the jump? Um, I think he's there, you know, and it's not about making the jump. He is a superstar, mm-hmm. right? It's a question of, you know, can he be one of the all time greats? Yeah. And I think he's showing everybody that he can and, he, he is, and it's just a question of how good. Yeah. So for you, I mean, obviously, this is a, a large part of the job for you when you talk about what do we need to do to get this next championship? Sure. How do all these things fit? Sure. Does Luca right now have all the pieces around him to win a championship? Yeah, I mean, if we, you know, when we lost in the conference finals, I don't think it was for lack of talent. I think the Warriors deserve a lot of credit because they had played together so long. Their execution was phenomenal. Yeah. Right. The way they ran their offense, knowing exactly where the ball was going, the way they had their rotations defensively, you know, knowing who to get, who to push where and how to prevent them, prevent guys from being comfortable. That wasn't as much talent as it was corporate knowledge. Mm -hmm. You know, the experience of having played together for all those years and been in crunch situations, knowing what to do. We hadn't been there yet, you know, and so you know, we hadn't been on the first round in, in 10 years. Yeah. And, and so it was, a lot of it was execution. And when you're talking to our guys during the series, that was the theme that kept on coming up. Yeah. Right. The Warriors knew where to be on both sides of the ball, no matter how we adjusted. Because mm-hmm. the teams we had played before hadn't had been as good as adjustments. Yeah. And so I think for us, it's not so much we need that second star or whatever. Um, it's more, let's just get some time, you know, an experience in crunch time situations in the playoffs. And that'll pay off. But see, so that's the thing. I agree. I think number one, people undervalue experience. And they're not, but it's almost like it's chicken and egg thing because to get the experience, you got to get the experience. Yeah, of course. (laughs) You know, so it's like, how do you simulate that? No, you can't simulate. You just got to be there, right? I mean, if you look Mm -hmm. at the Celtics Warriors in the finals, you could see that the Celtics had great talent. Yeah. But the Warriors just out-executed them. The same thing they did to us. They didn't Mm -hmm. out-shoot them. You know, they didn't, they had, but... They went with the guy, they got the guy who was hot, open, got their looks. And, you know, it was just guys who had knew their roles, like an Andrew Wiggins, right? I think he was the one who beat us. And I told him that after the series, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, we knew what to expect from Clay and from Steph and from Draymond. You know, we didn't know what to expect or how um, Wiggs would step up. And he did. Yeah. And, and that's what it comes down to in, in that type of series. 
the team understanding, everybody understanding their roles, being able to execute on what the coach puts out there for you, and having guys you you might call role players step up mm-hmm. when the time is right. Yeah, I love that. How did Andrew react when you told him? He said, thank you, man, you know, <laughs> and then he went to celebrate. We're going to the finals. And I'm like, <laughs> You're like, I don't care. Yeah, I know we won. And he just moves on. <laughs> okay, well, so speaking of championships, obviously Dirk, such a cornerstone here. I read he's going to have an office. Somewhere? Yeah, it's back on the other side. Yeah, okay. he does have an office. Yeah, so does the office come with like an expanded role? Is he going to be like very whatever involved? He wants. Whatever he Dirk, wants. Dirk is, you know, he yeah. does whatever he wants. Totally. Yeah. yeah, it's not like, Dirk, what do you want to do? It's just like, okay, do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's a legacy. He, you know, he knows the door is open. We talk all the time. So it's just, you know, after being, you know, on the road for 21 years, you want to spend some time with your family and all that. So he, yeah. he'll he pick his time when the time is right. Yeah. But we talk and he's not shy about sharing his opinion. Yeah, <laughs> He's like, this is what I want. Yeah. And I think you said he's just been bugging you about the statue. When is it coming? When's it's the coming. unveiling? It's coming this year. Okay. It is absolutely coming absolutely this coming. year. Sure. So a conversation we were having actually is like, what do you think is the criteria to get a statue at a place? Yeah, you have to stay there. Mm-hmm. It's about being there, about being a superstar, leading the team to a championship and being there for an extended period of time. Yes. You know, yeah. that that's key because, you, you know, it's not just about what you do on the court. It's about what you do in the community. It's about being part of the fabric of an organization um, during and after your playing time. And, mm-hmm. you know, Dirk exemplifies that. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Give me two other players around the league that you believe will have statues at their respective arenas. I mean, LeBron, obviously, and Steph. Yeah. yeah, deservedly so. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was um, actually just talking about this. I know I asked for NBA, but I'm like, the Storm have to give Sue. Yeah, of course. A statue. You don't play how long she's been the twenty years. 20, yeah, yeah, I'm like, this is the, she is the yeah. Seattle Storm. So. She's the WNBA. Yeah. yeah. And the thing with statues, though, I'm like, okay, they have to look exactly like the person. No, That's it's not going to ever nervous. work that way. Yeah, it's not ever going to work that way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about Jalen Brunson oh. uh, because I know you said obviously there's no hard feelings between you guys. Yeah. You're excited for him. But I have a lot of players on this show that talk about what it's like to be traded away or like it being a business. Yeah. But I don't always have an owner tell me what that moment is like. So what emotion do you tie to Jalen Brunson deciding to not stay? I mean, it's weird because we kind of knew it was happening. There was a whole confluence of issues coming along um, after we got eliminated from the playoffs. And there's just hint after hint after hint. So by the time it happened, you know, we knew he'd already broken up with us. And so it was just a matter who else he was going to start dating. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. so, yeah, it, it, so it wasn't like, oh no, oh my goodness, I can't believe this is happening. It was like, okay, it's coming. Yeah, it's like you you felt it. Yeah. When you say it was hint after hint after hint, what do you mean by that? You know, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's just, there are certain, you know, you could just tell. That's all. There were certain moves that other teams were making, you know, to open up cap room. And so that, you know, made it kind of obvious where he was going. Yeah. And that's the way it played out. Yeah. You know? What kind of position does that put you in when you feel it? Um, look, it's part of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same position as going into a trade or going into mm-hmm. the trade deadline. You know, players get nervous and rightfully so, because you just never know. You know, having been through 20 plus trade deadlines now, 99.99% of proposed trades don't happen. Mm-hmm. And 90 
5% of the ones that you think are going to happen still don't happen. But in this day and age of social media, everything gets reported as if it's a done deal. Yeah. And so it, it's no different than players, you know, feeling that those butterflies and everything, you know, you, you, you know, you, you don't want it to happen like with JB leaving, but you know, you can't tell a player it's just a business. And then when right. it happens to you, say it's not a business, you know, it's mm-hmm. on the player. No, it goes both ways. Yeah. That's I the would, way it is. I would think, and correct me if I'm wrong, you feel like, and from all the things I've watched from you, you're a competitive person. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So you're like, well, I want to win. Yeah. I want this to be, you know, all of these things. So I'm just curious for you, is it easy for you to like, let go of when something doesn't go your way? Do you like sit Depends on, on it? what it is. So there's certain things okay. I have control over. If I have any type of control. Yeah. It's on, right? Mm-hmm. If I don't have any control, like something like this, you got to move on, you know? And so, you know, in the game of basketball, there's always context. You know, there's five guys on the court. There's only one ball. That's a 48 minute game and all the um, playing time and all the, the roles get adjusted. So talk mm-hmm. to Nico, talk to Jay Kidd. And, you know, we think we're going to have a better team. And that's no disrespect to, to Jalen, mm-hmm. right? Jalen had an amazing role. But adding Christian Wood, you know, having Spencer, you know, further away from his injury um, and more comfortable in their roles. I mean, for us to to pick up the, you know, the guys that we did and go to the Western Conference Finals, that says a lot. And so, yeah. and obviously JB was a big part, but I think, you know, JB's primarily role for us was scoring. Mm-hmm. And I think we more than compensated and made up for that with Christian. Yeah. So you feel like this Mavericks team we'll see next season is a better team. Yeah, without question. The- because one of our real failings last year was rebounding and shot blocking and having, you know, and when we played five out, we could play that with Max meeting, you know, all five players out beyond the three-point line. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll be even better at it with Christian. Yeah. And with Maxie to come off the bench to support that, I think we'll be a much better team, which will open up more space for Luca, and the ball will move a little bit more. Yeah. Well, for someone who you talk about, you know, the things you can control versus things you don't, I would assume you don't really like to not be in control of things. Well, of course. Yeah, yeah. Like you want to be able to control things. So obviously when you're sitting watching the game, you can't do anything because nope. they're just playing. Right. <laughs> so when you're watching, like what percentage of the game is fun? What percentage is stress? Like, 99.99% stress okay. until, until we've won. <laughs> yeah. People don't realize that because it's just like people see me screaming and yelling and it's just like it's stress relief, mm-hmm. you know, and they'll see me after a big game where we've won um, and I'm just hooping and hollering because that's letting all the stress out, mm-hmm. you know, and particularly in the playoffs where there's so much at stake during the regular season. There's another game. Maybe, you know, there's a lot of consequences to this game and it's big, but during the playoffs, it's all stress. Yeah. A hundred percent stress. Yeah, I would think so. And I think, you know, you broke an 11 year drought, yep. you know, um, of not winning a playoff series. I'm sure that was a lot of stress. A lot of stress. Yeah. So when yeah. that shot didn't go in from Bogdanovich from <laughs> Utah, you have no idea. No idea. It yeah. was just like the skies parted and the sun was shining and the entire organization yeah. and city were like, <sighs> we did it. Yeah. yeah. But then, yeah. you know, and then, you know, going to Phoenix um, and getting blown out those first two games. And I remember being um, next to the bench and I, I wasn't really paying attention to the fans. And I went to Daryl, what are they saying? They're like, they're chanting sons in four, sons in four. And I'm like, oh, okay, we'll see about that. You yeah. know? And so, yeah, it's just, it's all stress, Taylor. No, all stress. I, I would assume so. So of those 11 years, which year was the hardest? Um, I'd say the year we trade, we 
when we brought in Harrison and Andrew Bogut and who else do we have? We had CP25, um, we had Jailer Parsons and Monte, I think. And I thought we were going to have a good team and it just didn't turn out. And Darren Williams, that's who we brought in. Yeah. Um, and it just didn't turn out that way. So yeah. when we started trading everybody, that was, okay, it's time to rebuild, you know, mm-hmm. and start going young. And so that was hard because we had won 50 games. I don't even know how many years. And I'd never had a losing season. Yeah. You know? Which is cr- Like, that's so impressive. Yeah, I you, well, yeah. <laughs> cra- that's Dirk, right? Yeah. And, and so that's the definition of a superstar, yep. right? When you're always going to win 50 games and not have losing seasons. And, and so that was the toughest because I, I really thought we were going to move forward. Yeah. So I was talking to my producer, Rocky, and she was telling me about a, friend, a conversation she had with her friend just about like what this team means for you. So is this team an investment? Is it a passion? Is it a challenge? How do you think about the team? I'm a ball is life guy. You know, literally, like my stress release is going in my backyard and getting up shots and, you know, working on my form, you know, or going to play pickup, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know, to tell you my feelings on basketball. I got a hard workout in Saturday morning and these guys, you know, all but maybe one was a lot, like a lot younger than me, like a third my age. And they're like, we need one. And I'm like so tired and I'm just so beat up. Yeah. But when you're getting, you know, when you're walking by a court and they say, we need one, you got to play, right? <laughs> I don't care what it yes, is. You, you can have crutches and you got to put them down and say, yeah. I'm going to play. And so, yeah, that's my attitude towards basketball. And that that's the connection. And then owning the team and, and the, the financial side of it's secondary. Yeah. Okay. You know? You've said that business is the ultimate sport. Yeah, it is. Explain what you mean by that. You know, in basketball, you play 82 games plus the playoffs. You know who you're going to play. You have time to prepare. There's an off season. You get some time off. In business, you don't even know who your com- competition may be. Yeah. And you're competing with them 24 by 7 by 365 by forever. You know, if I start a business and you're in my industry, I'm coming to kick your ass. Yeah. And if you start a business and you're in my industry, I'm coming to kick yeah. your ass, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so that's why I keep on you know, investing in companies, starting companies, whatever it may be, because that competitive side of me, that's where the juices flow. Yeah. And it's just that ongoing, nonstop intellectual challenge to be great at whatever industry I'm in. Mm-hmm. Doesn't okay. always work. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, but your goal is yeah, you're to not be gonna, Yeah. You're not going to go 82 and 0 in business either. So. Yeah. Okay. So if business is a sport, yep. tell me your NBA comparison. Who are you in the sport of business? I'm Wilt, I'm Jordan, I'm LeBron, I'm Luca, <laughs> I'm Dirk, I'm Magic, I'm Bird, all rolled into all, one. Yeah. Rolled all into, into one. All into one. You can't touch that. me. <laughs> and this is, so this is my thing. I think it just, it's really interesting when somebody is good at business. Because I almost think business is just like this umbrella term. Everybody thinks they know like what it means to like be an entrepreneur or be a businessman. But it actually feels like, a very specific thing when you really think about it. To be an entrepreneur, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How got, would you describe it? You've got to be willing to be all in, right? You know, some in sports, you can be athletically gifted, right? And that'll carry you a while. And then, you know, if you want to be one of the top 450, it's not only being athletically gifted, it's, you know, what's your skill set and how do you work on it and what's your basketball IQ. Mm -hmm. And business is very similar, except that it's ever changing. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about, you know, three, three point play and analytics change basketball some and 
you know, less than the big man, whatever. And business is changing every day. Yeah. You know, there's some new technology, there's some new approach, there's some new rule, there's some new tax law, whatever it may be. So the rules are always changing. And mm-hmm. so you've got to be curious, you've got to be agile, you've got to be able to sell, you've got to be able to communicate, you've got to be empathetic, you've got to be considerate, you've got to be nice. There's all yeah. these different skills that come together to be good as an entrepreneur. Yeah. Well, speaking of that, first off, as you can see, I like lists. Yeah. What three NBA players would be the best salesmen and why? Well, I got to put Luca. Luca could sell anything. That guy is so street smart, you have no idea. Really? Oh, my God. He'll FaceTime me with. Yeah, never. No, 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 but no, you, no you can't start no, and stop. Like, He'll FaceTime me and. Like when he's out having fun with yeah. something, right? Yeah. And, and so with all his boys and whoever out hanging out with them. Um, and you'll see a lot of stuff. That is not what you were going to say. No, but <laughs> you'll see, you know, like, Luca's got an amazing what? team around him. And so yeah. you'll see a lot of really, really cool tech stuff, you know, that that he helped engineer, literally, that is going to be really cool. So yeah. I say Luca is a great salesperson. Jordan, obviously, with Jordan's, you know, Michael mm-hmm. is, is great at what he does there. Mm-hmm. And who out of left field would be a great sale? Who have I dealt with? We've had... Theo Pinson. Oh, really? Probably he is, has yeah. a very like vivacious yeah, personality. Right? Just like, you know, <laughs> and it's funny because he did this the sales thing. I'm like, Theo, come on, you're a good salesperson. Let me give you some some hints. Yeah. You know, and so I think I think he's got that potential to be really good. Yeah. Okay, so speaking and then, of and Spencer too. Spencer Dinwood is really yeah. good. Yeah, he's a hustler. And he already kind of does that. Like he's a bit he's like financy and doing all these like innovative he's smart. things. Yeah, he's yeah. smart. He's, so he's very and he, he's learned how to pull all the pieces together to leverage his brand, to you know, enhance his brand, to to and he digs in. He doesn't jump from one thing to the next thing, which is good. Yeah. Okay, so on the subject of business, like, what does money start meaning to you when you've made so much? It really depends where you are in your life, right? Like when you're 21, 31, even 41, it's about potential, right? As you get older, it's more about family and impact. Because, you know, you start like, when I sold my first company, it was like, oh my God, I just want to retire and party with as many people as possible, bought yeah. a lifetime pass in American Airlines and party like a rock star and put a lot of rock stars to shame, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't hang with me. And, and then um, bought the Mavs and that opened up some other doors. But then, you know, you look at other sports teams, is this what I want to do or whatever else? Um, and I, but I'd never been about like stuff. Let me have more houses, more cars, more money. Let me be higher on the Forbes 400. None of that stuff at all really was important to me. But as you get older, you know, and have a family, then it's like, okay, kids and where mm-hmm. are they going to be? And, you know, my next dollar is not going to change my life, but it can change my family's life, their family's life, yeah. their kid's life, um, and maybe some other people as well. And that, it, that, at least with me, that started taking on more importance. What kind of impact could I have? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I do want to pause and go back to Party Mark real quick. Sure. Because in a lot of interviews I've seen, I've seen you talk about uh, Party Mark. So tell me the best party story uh, that you have. I mean, you said you were putting rock stars to shame. I mean, what, what does that mean? Who? <laughs> I mean, there's more than I could ever possibly tell. So let's, the best let's put it one. this way. Let's put it that way. We went out and I revved it up. You couldn't hang. <laughs> really? Oh, you there's think no so? doubt. There is no doubt. I don't doubt. know. I've, so I've had some fun in my day. Say, there's, uh, yeah. Trust me. I'm, yeah. Who have you put to shame? 
there's there's quite a few NBA players over the years that we've gone toe to toe. Uh huh. And, and yeah, I'm not gonna name drop. They it's know who only, they are. It's only fun when you tell the story. I know, but you know. <laughs> Listen, if you could tell a story about when Bill Gates took your girl, yeah, I know, I you know, can but... tell me one person you partied with. Oh, a lot. There's not just one person. It's just like one time we were out for Jawan Howard's. This was when I when I failed miserably. I'll give you one when I failed. Okay. okay. So <laughs> we were out for Jawan Howard's birthday party in New York City. Um, it was right before the All-Star break. We had just played the Knicks, I think. And we had an extra few days, right? So we were going to go out. And it was me, Finn, Dirk, Nash, and I forget who else. Um, Whitley, maybe. Yeah, Wits, I think, and some other folks. And we went to, uh, what was it called? Lotus or Lotus Rope, something. And Steve Nash ended up meeting his then wife. That's how crazy a night was. But oh, we wow. Said, there, was a, what, there was a buddy of Al's that used to wear this. I can't say that. Um, but... Um, <laughs> But we go in there and we, I start, we, and then me in particular started buying, I think it was wild turkey by the bottle. Oh, wow. And drinking it out of the bottle. <laughs> it was ugly. It, it was ugly. So yeah. just, let's just say that it wasn't long after that, my head was hanging out the, the, the window of the limo getting sick. And all these guys are laughing at me. And thank God it was pre-iPhone. Otherwise, I could never live it down. I still can't live it down with these guys. (laughs) So who was like the comforter in the group at that moment? Like, was Dirk like, it's okay, Mark? Or everyone was like, oh, no. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, you guys were like, oh, they were throwing me under the bus for years, (laughs) for years. But, you know, that's the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, no, totally. Because, you know, I was like, you got to have the friend that, like, holds your hair back if you got to throw up. Oh, my God. You got to have that one. But I think, yeah. yeah, guys are different. They get on each other. They're like, you can't hang. It's it's definitely a different thing. Yeah, yeah. The good news is yeah. I got worse stories on Dirk and all those guys. So Yeah, so you have that as well. Yeah. Like, don't, if you did iPhone it, don't ever show because I got you, Dirk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Dirk is so fun. Like, I He's genuinely really like Dirk. He's just, like, a nice guy. He, I love person. the death. He's a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Heart of gold. Um, <laughs> just says the dumbest, funnest, you know, he's just a good dude. Yeah. You yeah. can't say enough great things. So it's super clear to me that like the relationships that you have are important to you. And obviously relationships are important in any business. It's one of the things that makes business men and women very successful. But I feel like relationships in the NBA can be hard because it is like such a business and everybody has like one thing that they're trying to accomplish. Is there anyone that has been in the league that you would like to mend a relationship with? Um, golly, that's a great question. Um, I mean, it was rocky with Steve Nash for a while after he left. And I'd like to think we'd mended that. Um, we hung out a couple times and talked, and I think we're we're on the same page. Um, you know, I think I, we could have parted ways with Monte Ellis a little better. Way it's you know, it was it things just changed and that that created issues, and I think I didn't handle it as well as I could have. Like you're going to make mistakes, yeah. You know, um, and the other hard part is generations are different. 
you know, when I first came into the league, we were still on the tail end of the macho generation and the league was telling AI how to dress. And so having to dress code and all that. Um, and then in the 2010s, you know, the older millennials, I guess now were, you know, approach basketball different. And you just started to see the, the advent of social media and, and mm-hmm. Facebook and the like. And, you know, but, but ESPN and TV was still really, really big. And then, you know, kids coming in, in Lucas generation, Zion, Ja, it's all social media. Yeah. They grew up completely driven, not necessarily driven, excuse me, but they grew up, you know, organically with social media. It was, you know, they were stars when, when they were teenagers, you know, were and teenagers coming into the NBA, you know, they could have been stars when they were 11, 12, 13 years mm-hmm. old. And so, you know, they're very much more cognizant of their brand. Um, and it's going to get even worse now with NAL. You're going to have kids making so much money in high school and college. Mm-hmm. You know, pros may not be uh, increase in pay, you know, but the, the point being that generations in this game change and teams have to adapt and relationships have to adapt. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as when I was as young as some of the players, it was easy. Yeah. You know, now it's harder, you know, because they look at me and like, okay, that's just the owner dude. Right. Yeah. I mean, I could tell even when I asked and you were you were thinking about it and you mentioned Steve and Monte, are those things that you think about now still? Not as much. I mean, because mm-hmm. you, you get consumed with what's going on and what's in front of you. Yeah. You know. Um, what would you have done differently? Well, Steve, I would have kept them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And with Monte, I just remember having a meeting with him, and I just, I just don't think I handled it as well as I could. Because Monte, you know, I, I think he's a good guy with a great heart. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think that just in general, like, owners can be put in these, like, very sticky situations because you're having to manage so many different things at all times to the best of your ability. And, like, just, you know, the the example that, that I'll use is everything that's happening in Brooklyn, right? You were like, have to do the right thing because one wrong move, it might mess everything up. Well, the, the hard, the hard part is, I think that people don't, don't realize is you don't buy a team to take on a job, mm. right? I don't buy the mask because I wanted a job. Yeah. I bought the mask because I was done having jobs. <laughs> yeah. You that's know, true, yeah. I love, I bought the mask because I love basketball mm-hmm. and you know, I love the Mavericks. I was a season ticket holder and I wanted to see them do better and I wanted to enjoy it, enjoy it. And you want to hire people to do the things and you hope it works out. The hard part is when you make mistakes where it doesn't work out. Yeah. Right. Because, you know, your name's on the check Mm -hmm. and it's your ultimate responsibility. And, you know, whether it's Brooklyn or whoever is put in those circumstances, you know, the owner is not involved because they want to be involved. It's involved because it's fallen on them to to have to be involved. Because that's the thing, like with Brooklyn, right? Like, how do you navigate being the story? Like, when what everyone is talking about with the team, it's you, like the owner is the story. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. And it really depends on who the owner is. Yeah. You know, I'm used to being famous, right? But being famous can be hard. Mm-hmm. And being famous is even harder when you don't want to be. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you don't want to be the center of attention and you just want to enjoy your life, enjoy your team and, you know, enjoy the game. And, you know, I, you know, I don't know Joe that well. I'm getting to know him better. I don't know why. He bought, I never asked him why he bought the team or what's the importance of it to him. Yeah. It may be because his kids love basketball. It may be because, you know, he wants a legacy business to turn over to, you know, a son or daughter who may love basketball. You don't really know the reasons why. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in that position, and all of a sudden, you know, it's social media is just on fire, you know, and 
you can't really go and look because it's just brutal. Yeah. Right. It's really, you know, there's no real easy way to deal with it, Mm -hmm. you know, and look, you, you also have to give yourself a reality check. It's first world problems. Totally. Right. Oh, my team that I own yeah. is going through some issues. I mean, I've been broke and having yeah. people yell at me because the Mavs aren't doing so well is a whole lot better than yeah. being broke. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, eating mustard and ketchup sandwiches was It was not it. Yeah, I'll take I'll take, you know, <laughs> sell the team, you S F whatever, you yeah. know. I can live with that. But it takes yeah. some time to get used to. Yeah, for sure. And I just think so much of it is like just navigating things on all different levels. And so you've mentioned like social media a bunch. What is your relationship with social media? Yeah, it's fun. It's because I've got a lot of different personalities for social media, right? There's what I do with Cost Plus Drugs. There's what I do for entrepreneurs. There's what I do with Shark Tank mm-hmm. and what I do with the math. Yeah. And there's different levels of response in each of those. You know, Shark Tank's all friendly, you know, or why'd you do this deal? You suck, whatever. Um, or, you know, I didn't like the product. Why'd you invest? Whatever. Um, that stuff's easy. Um, technology and entrepreneurship is easy, even though people may disagree with you. But NBA Twitter can be brutal, yeah, <laughs> brutal. And you just got to realize that, you know, you know, fan is short for fanatic, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, that's what I remind myself. The people who are most belligerent or mean or evil, or whatever. Yeah you want to think that they're the ones who love the Mavs or their team the most. Mm-hmm. And so I always, you know, try to put that in context, but you know, and it's, it's the worst during the summer because everyone wants to win the summer. Yeah. It's not about winning championships, right? It's about mm-hmm. winning the summer. Well, so-and-so did this and this guy hasn't signed a deal yet, or this guy hasn't yeah. done that. And so why aren't you doing something? You piece of da, 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 da. You know, like, you know, it's funny because there's a guy and I happened to be looking at my timeline, right? Because I always look cost plus drug stuff. And in my timeline, his um, his handle was F Mark Cuban sell the maps. And there's a lot of them. It wasn't like there was just one. But this guy was really coming hard. So he had his DMs open. And so I just sent him a DM said, I love you too. Have a nice day. Just because, you know, it's just like. Yeah. Did he respond? No. No. <laughs> Is that still his name? I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's still his okay. name. Yeah, it's still his name. But it happens all the time. Like, yeah. like when I was, I said something last year about how, um, you know, insane Mavs Twitter can be. And then, you know, I went and offered a bunch of those people tickets because, mm-hmm. you know, what happens is people use it as a platform to yeah. blow off steam and it's a way for them to create, you know, a community. It's, there's like, there's a community of, for every team of mm-hmm. the fans that hate everything the front office does. Yes. Right. They love their best players. They hate their worst players. And, but it's a community. Mm-hmm. And when you actually talk to them, they're not really mean and nasty. Mm-hmm. It's just Twitter. Right. You know, I so, was like, like the internet's not a real place. No, Twitter's not real. Yeah. It's not real life. Yeah, it's not a real place. And, and so and, I try to I try to give them a little love. Yeah. And then they back down and then they you saw there's this one um podcast slash website. And I'm like, well, just have me on. And mm. he had me on, asked me nothing but benign, easy, simple questions, right? And I, at the end of it, I'm like, you sure there's nothing else you want to ask? Yeah. And then he gets back on Twitter, just crushes me every day. I'm like, <laughs> Dude, you had your opportunity. Yeah, Yeah, uh, that is so funny. And also, too, with the internet, I always stress to people, I'm like, all you have to do is get to the next day because no one cares. No one cares. That's the thing. The the news cycles are so short. Yeah. 
And people don't, you know, do their homework. They don't really care, care. Right. It's not like people dig in to find out all the details and everything. They just want to talk crap, right? And more power It's to like, them. whatever, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. Better you talking about the NBA than talking about whoever. Yeah. Okay, so you tweeted about the play-in tournament, speaking uh-huh. on Twitter. You talked about the injuries. Uh-huh. First, I want to ask how you would restructure the play-in. But also, I want to know what changed because you did push for the plan. No, so first of all, you know, leading into restarting the league was one set of circumstances. So the plan was a good idea. And then as we got into it, it wasn't so much that the plan so then we were playing in a season that was shortened and was off schedule, right? Wasn't mm-hmm. a normal schedule. So the plan had a different set of circumstances as well. Then we get to this year and it's like that ninth and 10th team on in both conferences had some really bad teams, mm-hmm. right? And you had this unexpected set of circumstances, unintended consequences, where you had teams not only trying to get the best draft pick, but trying to avoid the playing. Yeah. And you created the, these circumstances where you had to make a choice between having a top six, seven, or eight pick, you know, maybe a ninth pick, or making the play-in. And if you don't have a decent team, and your a six, seven, eight, nine pick is going to really help you. Mm-hmm. You might sandbag a playing game. Mm-hmm. So that was my attitude there. And so what I proposed, and they turned it down, was that we go back to what we did in the bubble, where you had to be, I think, it was in four games within four games, yeah. in order to make the play in, mm-hmm. which I thought is great, mm-hmm. right? But being ten or eleven games back, and look what happened to the Clippers that lose Paul George to COVID for one game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're out. So that's how you would restructure, go back to how they did the bubble yeah, plan. that's exactly what it's I It's not suggest. that you're like, no plan. You're just like, there's a different way. Yeah, you have the context it. always matters. Yeah. And so now we're back to a regular, regularized season for the most part, 82 games. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was a proponent of making it within four games, but they shot me down. Yeah. Well, the thing is, and I, and I know this isn't like your argument, but what somebody would just say is like, well, then don't be in the bottom. Well, you know. Yeah, you know, I wish you can control injuries. I wish <laughs> yeah. you could control all the other teams and trades and all that, but you can't. Okay, well, I mean, so as we're kind of sticking with Twitter and things that you've tweeted and just the platform in general, I have to say this. So I remember so vividly where I was in 2015 when the emoji battle happened with DeAndre Jordan oh. and everybody. I was like, what is she talking Yeah, no, to me, that was like the like the first big NBA Twitter moment because just everyone was talking about it. I know what I remember about that night, but what do you remember about that night? I remember sitting in a, the um, lobby of a hotel in Houston and um, what made it memorable wasn't so much what was going on with DeAndre as much as the guy who was working in the hotel lobby was, um, you know, um, Belitza, the guy who played for the Warriors last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Um, his younger brother was like the six foot eight guy working the lobby. And, <laughs> and I'm like, that is just the weirdest thing ever that this guy's, you know, <laughs> and sitting there with Dan Fagan, um, rest in peace, Dan, and um, wondering what the hell's going on. And Dan was his agent. And there was also um, DeAndre, some guy named Steve something that was there. And we couldn't figure out what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that was it. No driving around, none of that yeah. stuff, right? And it was just like, you can't get a hold of them. You know, yeah. obviously something's changed and moving on. Yeah. Because I'm like, well, how does that legend begin, right? Everyone's like, 
Mark Cuban's driving around downtown begging for his address. Like, but now it's like a thing that is stuck with you, even though you have said this isn't what yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah, but like when you started saying 2015, it didn't even register that that's yeah, what you were going to bring up. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that that's you know under the bridge, but. Yeah, at the time, it was like, oh my goodness, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I was pissed, um, but you got to move on, right? Mm-hmm. It's a business. Yeah. You know, and players get to make their choices. And I understand why the Clippers did it, because it would have had a huge impact on their on their team. Yeah, absolutely. I know, because I'm like, okay, so it was just like a clubhouse in his house, and all these Clippers were here, and then Blake Griffin is like tweeting funny photos of the team. Yeah, well, that's Blake, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it was... It was just so funny, but it's it's interesting for you to be like, I don't even know what you're talking about, when to all of us, it was this huge night. It was more interesting to me when I was pile driving Blake at, at a party after 2013 All-Star, before, I think it was 2013 All-Star game. Uh-huh. You can ask him about it someday. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will. When I talk to Blake, I'm going to say, hey, Mark, tell me a story that I want you to uh, to expand on. All right, sticking with Twitter. You and Lil Wayne friends? Yeah. Okay, yeah, good. good. So I know it like Mac Main said that y'all talked and yeah. you're cool now because that was like a very out of left field that was situation. Weird, but, yeah, because it pissed him off as he told me because his son was in the picture and his son's mom didn't like the idea of his son being um, visible like that, which gotcha. I understood, right? Mm-hmm. So we had a conversation um, during the Phoenix game and I actually got him the tickets for him to come. That's fun. But um, I went up and said hi, met his son. He goes, son's a huge fan of Shark Tank. And so we talked for a little bit and it was cool. It was over. Yeah. You know why? Because internet's not a real place. It's so not you, a real yeah, place. So no you big deal. And can see someone in person and be like, oh, we're, we're cool. Like, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. Everyone's yeah. like, well, man, I'm Mark Yeah, I was Cuban. a little bit that way too. Because I thought it was pretty damn funny to pull. You know, because yeah. one of the songs, um, Uproar is like a song we always play. Um, when Damon John's on the set, that's a song we always play prior to shooting, yeah, right? And we all get hyped and we all know the words and this and that. So pulling out a, a line from that song is yeah. easy. Yeah, easy. yeah. I mean, it was perfect. Like yeah. it fit perfectly. Yeah. So. so when I was researching for this interview, I saw you like sort of touch on something that I never knew and I would love for you to expand on. You were saying that in 2007, there was a moment where you were almost trading for Kobe. Yeah, I thought it was done. Please tell me that story. So um, I was in Dancing with the Stars, and we practiced a lot, like seven, eight hours a day, because um, I needed it. And there was, I was going back and forth with um, Dr. Buss, and he had, I forget who called who. I think he called me, actually, and said, look, we think we might be parting ways with Kobe. And there, I, I remember it vividly because there was a PA named Elvis who was working on us. It was just Lakers, 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 Lakers. And I used to give him a hard time. He'd yeah. give me a hard time. And we had just gone to the finals the year before and this and that. And so um, we would just talk Kobe. And he was Kobe, Kobe, Kobe all yeah. the time. You know, he got Kobe, you know. And um, so it started to happen. Yeah. And I started telling him about it. And that was the kiss of death. Because the minute I told Elvis, it all fell apart. Oh, no. Why did it fall apart? Because I guess Mitch Kupchak talked Kobe into staying. You know, it was just like wow. DeAndre, not the same same. But, yeah. you know, when a guy that's key to your team wants to leave, you're going to do everything you can to keep him. So what would this, like, Kobe Maps team have looked like? Um, it would have been damn good. Yeah. You know, and Dirk was like, I would have traded me for Kobe. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to trade you, Dirk. That's the whole point. Wow. Yeah, we would have been something else. And it's crazy to just think about 
all the things that would have changed if that trade. Yeah, you just never know. Yeah. yeah never wow. Know. Oh my gosh. That's and crazy. then they trade for Paul Gasol and life's different. It's just the NBA, you're just one, you know, sprained ankle or trade or who knows what and everything changes. Yeah. But like when you say you were close, you're like, we were at the finish I line. Thought but he had... I thought it was done. Yeah. Like done. it's done. 2007. Done. Kobe's coming. Done. Like, let's start talking about putting together the trade call. Wow. Yeah. But so, but when you think of that moment, you're like, okay, well, it, like the Mavs were okay, but are you like, wow, it would have been really beautiful never, if that worked. Never, never, really? never thought that one time. Okay. Not even one time. Cause you can't. Yeah, you can't. Oh my God. We think about it every day. I'm like, oh my God. Elvis is still, is probably still. Yeah, he's, he's talked about it. No, Elvis is like, I changed it. I changed yes. the karma. That's what you get for telling me, you dumbass. I know. Elvis is probably like no longer a Lakers fan. He's like, shout out to Elvis. Where is Elvis? I don't doing? know. I don't know. But he still thinks I'm a dumbass for telling him. Yeah, like that was, that was it. Wow. I mean, that's, yeah, that was really good. So I'm like, how is, I've never heard of you talk about it. It was like buried somewhere very low. And I was like, I've never heard you. So no, thank yeah, you. It for... was right there. I thought it was done. Yeah. And I thought this is great. I just beat Floyd Mayweather in Dancing with the Stars, right? He'd been eliminated. I'm like, ah. I'm rolling. Yeah. I am the king, baby. This is a... nope. And that's that's just life. That's business, right? Yeah. It that's the NBA. That's the real business world. You think you got a deal closed and it's not done until they sign on the line that is done. Yeah. So are you a person that has regrets or no? I've had a few. Um I'm not somebody who really looks back and, and says, okay, I, I would have done all this differently. Right. Because things have worked out pretty damn well. Yeah. You know? I'd say so. Yeah. And so, you know, not not so much. Okay. You know, more than anything, it's like, okay, I probably should have spent more time at that princess party with my daughter mm. instead of rolling my eyes, you know, yeah. that type of thing. Um, you know, but that's just the way it works. Well, now you get to do TikToks with your daughter. Yeah. So. Well, she does, not anymore because she's, okay. she's getting ready to go to college and even my middle daughter. They're not, you know, TikToks isn't so much dances anymore. So that kind of really hurt me. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute. I need the dance. Uh, whoa. You know. <laughs> What's your favorite TikTok dance? Oh, my God. Um, you better make your song. kids proud with this answer. No, the the weekend song dun, 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 um, was one that was really good. And I don't know, just go MQB on TikTok. You oh, feel yeah. My I'll, greatest hits. I'll check the tape. But my son's like really into cooking now. And so we'll oh, do wow. cooking TikToks. Yeah. But he's really bummed because they booted him off because he wasn't 13 yet. So he's about to turn oh, no. 13. And so there's nothing more exciting to him yeah. than being back and getting his own TikTok account. Again. I love that. You know, one of my favorite things, it's like nothing makes dad light up other than talking about their kids. Oh, there's nothing better. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It yeah. really is beautiful. And how many do you have? Actually? I've got three. Three. Um, my oldest is getting ready to go to college this weekend. Oh, so that's going to be brutal. Vanderbilt. Oh, wow. Jerry Stackhouse Town. So I yeah. get a chance to visit Stack. Um, I love that. He's a great coach. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of mixed emotions. You know, she's like, get me the hell out of here. Yeah. And my <laughs> wife and I are like, oh. Yeah, because I mean, this is your like first one. First one. You're sending off. And I feel like two and three will maybe get a little easier because you've I done don't it. Know. I don't know, but she's, yeah. she's kicking us to the curb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, what, that's how it goes. I remember when I went to school, I'm like, I love y'all so much. I know. I'll catch you at Thanksgiving. See ya. Yeah, yeah. I'll see you. See I was you the then. same way. I'm like, let's go, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's my daughter. But I always say, it's like, so that first month, she'll call y'all like every other day because she'll miss you. She'll be like, this is different. No. I don't have friends yet. But then no. it will fade. No. You won't Not get many daughter. calls. My daughter is going to be like, I was, ah! Yeah, like immediately. My parents aren't here. Let's go. That's so fun. Good for her. I love you guys. My daughter's got like 
17 fake IDs lined up. Okay, for each one, she's like, how many weekends do I come back to Dallas? Because as each one gets taken from me, because yeah. they're stricter in Nashville, <laughs> right? I've got to back up. She's got to re-up. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing for college, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, my freshman year, I it was like 3 a.m. I am drunk out of my mind, freshman year. You drink? I call my parents. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have had a few. Um, I call my parents drunk and I'm like, you guys, I made a big mistake. <laughs> and then they're like, do I need to come to Illinois right now? I'm like, no, I just need to let you know I'm really drunk. You know, my mom's so dramatic. She's like, make sure you sleep on your side. Where's your roommate? I need, like, she stayed <laughs> on the phone with me that night. I'm like, why did I call my parents and tell them this? No, man. I hope that doesn't happen to you. You don't get any calls. No, maybe my, <laughs> no, not any of them, actually. Yeah. They're all pretty damn independent. It was, I truly, like, I do not know why I did that. It's, it was a bad memory. And she brings it up all the time. So. I bet. Yeah, but I she's got to let that go. The good news is that was the one time you got drunk. Yeah, I have never been drunk ever again. You know, I didn't get you Mark, Dirk, lesson. Steve Nash, and the limo drunk. Wild turkey drunk? <laughs> yeah, wild turkey drunk. Um, I do want to go back to something, too. You talked about Dr. Buss, and I read somewhere you said that he has been the most influential owner to you. By far. Like, you've learned the most from him. I did, yeah. What have you learned? I mean, because I was getting in trouble all the time with David Stern, and so, yeah. you know, <laughs> he was amazing. Um he would come to Dallas. He'd invite me over and um, we'd talk. And basically it was like Mark and he'd give me this list of things he's done where David didn't like this. The NBA didn't hate, hated me for that. The NBA changed the rules for this. Just be you. Mm-hmm. And if you're you, things will work out. Yeah. And that was the best advice I got. And that's the, that's the rule I followed. And they have worked out. They have. Yeah. Would you say you are a bit of a troublemaker? Um, I like to disrupt. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's not so much I'm trying to cause trouble just to cause trouble. But if I think there's a better way, I'm not going to be shy. Yeah. Because yeah. you are a person, and correct me if I'm wrong, it feels like you always say exactly what you're thinking. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, yeah, it'd be a like, lot you know, worse okay. if I did. You uh, give a, like a, a no, little purer version. It, I won't just say something. People think, you know, the world has changed over the last 20 years, right? Obviously. But, um, if I think I can have an impact, I'll say it. Mm-hmm. And if I think I can have an impact by doing something, I'll do it. Um, but now with my kids being older, right, and and having to, to deal with it more, yeah, I probably hold some things back that yeah. I wouldn't have when I first got here. Yeah. Do you know how much money you've had to pay in fines? No. You're like, but it's a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, like it's not. But I, I read somewhere that when you do get fined, you yeah, match the money yeah. and donate it. So yeah. keep getting fined. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't the last couple of years simply because, yeah. you know, I told some of the officials, I'm like, you guys have struggled with COVID too. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it easy on you. Yeah. But this coming year, it's on. Yeah, it's back. I'm, I'm back talking. I love that. Um, okay, a couple more for you before we go to some fan uh-huh. questions and close out. Um, Patrick Mahomes said that you are somebody that he watches a lot and like learns uh-huh. a lot from. What do you think is the potential of Patrick Mahomes um, as a businessman? Oh, he's great. Yeah. yeah. No, he's super smart. Um, he understands that you have to be diversified. He understands that the concept of community, he understands that, you know, you have to know what you know and know what you don't know. And so it's been great. So, you know, yeah. he comes to Mavs games and he'll come back at halftime. We'll sit and we'll talk. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll do things together. Yeah. Okay. What do you think is one thing that he should be doing that he hasn't done yet? I don't know. I mean, I don't, we haven't gotten enough detail, but he mm-hmm. knows that he can email me with any questions he has. And like for all of our guys, I tell him, if you have any business questions, 
happy to help. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm a Billions fan. Uh-huh. So I have seen actor Mark, um, uh, you know, every now and then, which, by the way, you're pretty good. Of course I am. Yes. Did you not see me in Sharknado 3? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Oscar-winning Sharknado 3. Yeah, I'm like, wait, it doesn't even really feel like, you, you know, sometimes I'll have yeah. the cameos, I'm like, this is a cameo. They've like given you real lines. Yeah, yeah, and real stuff to do. Yeah, they're yeah. bringing me back. Yeah, so oh, that's I even love better. It. Okay, yeah. very good, very good. Okay, so my thing about shows like Billions or Succession or whatever, how accurate of a depiction are those shows? Of like Billion is, is can be accurate. Succession. I remember starting to watch it with my wife. I'm like, yeah. God help us if that's our family, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. Like, if we have messed up that bad that our kids <laughs> go that wrong, just. I just, oh my God. I yeah. actually did a podcast with Kara Swisher on it oh. and, and we were talking about it. I'm like, no, that, no. I mean, I have no other wealthy families mm-hmm. and there's some like really messed up people, but not that bad. Yeah, not it's that bad. bad in yeah, yeah, there's just like no way. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd cut my kids out, you know. Yeah, it's like, I got to save you from yourself in this moment. So what you said, billions is like fairly accurate. Like, yeah. give me an example where you're like, oh, this is a thing like that happens. There, There's some, you know, swinging, you know what, between people on Wall Street in particular yeah. that, you know, want to try to, like the only people I've ever met that can't get enough money, even though they have a lot, are people on Wall Street, mm-hmm. you know, where it's like a scorecard for them which I get at a certain extent, but there's a point of diminishing returns. Yeah. You know, and where that your next dollar is not going to change anything about your life or your kid's life or their kids or their kids' lives. Um, but yet they want to keep on proving that they can make more and more and more money. Yeah. And they'll do stupid stuff just to get there. And that's kind of, that was incredibly accurately portrayed in billions. And, mm-hmm. you know, some of the um, the backstabbing, you know, I've seen that happen yeah. too, okay. but I stay away from all that stuff. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, great show. I mean, I'm kind of sad that like they've lost many of the characters. Yeah, it's not I the mean, same. Losing, Dam- losing Damien is, is yeah. A lot. I'm like, like uh, I don't but, like love Mike Prince, but it's still a good show. Mike, no, Mike, he's done a good job. Yeah, right? he's it's a great a, actor, but yeah, I'm like, it's not, it's not the, the same. same as Damien, yeah, yeah, it's just really not. Yeah, Axe is something special. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. What role do you think billionaires should play in terms of making the world better? I mean, I'm not going to tell someone else what to do with their money. Everybody's got to decide who they are. But I think it really comes down to how you define capitalism. You know, to me, capitalism isn't about how much money can you make. Capitalism means how much impact can you make? Mm -hmm. You know, how if you can be an entrepreneur and start a company, where do you get your satisfaction? And satisfaction can come from, you know, how much money do you have? It can come from you know, how much have you changed the world? It can come from, you know, how have you changed the lives of seven people that were important to you, mm-hmm. you know, but that's, that's the beauty of a capitalist system. The, the bad side is we, I think we've defined it for so many people that it's just about money. Yeah. You know, it's not about impact. And that's one of the reasons I do Shark Tank, because we send the message that the American dream is alive and well. And I try, I personally try to send the message that, you know, a company can have incredible amounts of impact on, on people. I did a deal um, last year with um, Erica, this company called No Limbits, L-I-M-B-I-T-S. And she has a prosthetic leg and she started creating fashion for people with prosthetics. Mm. It's just, you know, and it, it's small now, but it's going, yeah. and every, every single one of her customers, she's impacting their lives and making it better. Mm-hmm. You see that every time with businesses. And so to her, to me, and to many others, capitalism is your opportunity to 
to use your own skills and use your own and to grind it in your way to have an impact. And, Mm -hmm. you know, to me, that's, that's the way to go, but I'm not going to tell somebody else how to, how to go. Yeah. Well, one thing that is, you know, really cool about following you is you'll retweet people that have been impacted by cost plus drugs. And I like admittedly wasn't as educated about this gap in what the pay is like what it actually costs versus what they charge you. Yeah, and it drugs, is like yeah. it's insane. insane. It's insane. Yeah. yeah like, that's why they've been able that. to do it because people really don't understand. They've been yeah. really, you know, the traditional pharmaceutical industry and, and more, there's like these three or four companies that are just enormous. They own insurance companies. They own retail pharmacies. They own these things called pharmacy benefit managers. And they just distort the hell out of the pricing of drugs, you know. And so we got in there, um, Dr. Alex Oshmyansky, my partner, and I created costplusdrugs.com. And part of the goal is, is really simple. We want to be the low-cost provider of every single FDA-approved medication that exists. Mm-hmm. And we're going to do it through complete transparency. So when you go to costplusdrugs.com, we have more than 1,000 drugs now. And you put in the drug that you use. And not only are you going to see the price we charge, which more often than not is going to be less than you can get anywhere else, maybe even less than your copay, but you'll also see our cost. And you'll see what we pay, what Cost Plus Drugs pays. You'll see that we mark it up 15%. That's it. $3 pharmacy handling fee and $5 for shipping. That's it. And Mm -hmm. so you know what we pay. And so you know there's not, you know, we're we're being fair about it. Mm -hmm. And that builds trust and we've just, it's just exploded. Yeah. You know, like you said, and the, the things that people have put on social media have just been incredible. The lives that we've changed and Mm -hmm. you, you know, you can't get enough of it. You know, I I literally, I love to go now and, you know, search for costplusdrugs.com on Twitter because like I just tweeted one um, yesterday or this morning where a lady was spending 3000 plus dollars a month for a drug and we cut it down to like $52. Yeah. It's crazy. No, yeah. Like, so my sister is a type one diabetic and uh-huh. she always talks to me about how much Cost insulin, insulin costs. Yeah. So like, oh, I'll get that for her and all these things. And she was saying that, you know, she might be potentially moving to Buffalo for work or whatever. And she's like, but it'd be great because insulin's cheaper in Canada. So I can, yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're not having to travel to Canada for you to get this. Yeah, we're and trying I, to change that. Yeah, it's wild that these things, like you shouldn't have to pay so much to be healthy, like just to live. Like if you're diabetic, you literally need insulin, <laughs> but no, people are marking it up. It's just wild. It, you know, and there's multiple prices and there's games that are played with these things called average wholesale pricing and, you know, um, wholesale acquisition costs. It's just a joke the way yeah. they do it. And so Stay tuned on insulin. We're doing our best to try to. Yeah, hey, I love there. it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure I tell. Tell her, her to sign up. Yeah, you know. no, I love that. Okay, so to close out, I want to play peak in the pit with you. Okay. Need to tell me your peak of this year, and your pit of this year. So your favorite moment and your not so favorite moment. Um, favorite was beating Phoenix Game Seven. Yeah. Not so favorite was losing to Golden State. Not even in Game Five where we're eliminated, but we had a couple games where we were way up mm-hmm. and we couldn't hold on, and so those were real. Valleys. <laughs> yeah. So you're like, okay, we got to come back next year. Yeah, bigger, better, stronger. Absolutely. Uh, Rocky, do we have any questions from me? Yeah, a lot of people would like to know who you would have traded for Kobe. Who I would have traded for Kobe? And I've told him it was Jet, Josh Howard, I forget who else, and a couple of first round picks. Worth it. Yeah. Worth it. Um, someone asked, what's the worst pitch you've ever? 
What's the worst so pitch you've ever heard? Bad, bad, <laughs> bad pitches. One guy pitched me a super high afro because it would make guys taller um, in a bathroom. Um, another, like, there was this guy who came on Shark Tank where he had these little, they, he called them taillights, where he thought it'd be really cool for particularly women to go on dates and they had them these, like, flashing lights that they could put on the back of their jeans. I mean, there's just so many bad ones that just... Okay, wait. Speaking of pitches, I've heard that sometimes during a game, a player will pitch you something on the court. Oh, yeah, I've gotten pitched every... Yeah, not okay, everything, but... Give yeah. me, tell me one. No, I'm, I can't, right? But um, <laughs> well, guys all the time will be at the free throw line and see me. Yeah. They're like, Kim, I love Shark Tank. Like, I got something for you. But it's always music and clothes. And like the two yeah. worst, businesses, worst businesses ever, music... And and Everybody thinks they've got a cool slogan, right? I am the, you know, I am, I am TM, I am the man, right? Or I, I am TM, <laughs> I am the man, right? Now I'm going to put it across clothes and yeah. we're going to sell a bunch. I'm like, no, no, we don't need more slogans on clothes. Have any free throw line pitches been good? No. 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 Wow. That is, no. that's very funny. So what do you say back? You're just like, that's not for me. I'm like, I'm like trying to get distract them, right? So when yeah, the ball yeah. goes up, and I yeah, sound like, good for up. Miss this, I'll give you the capital. Yeah. Right, right. You got it done. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Okay, any more? Somebody asked, does that have any good party mark stories with Charles Barkley? Oh my God, yeah. Our co <laughs> Any Charles Barkley party stories? The first time I met Charles, lots of great, everybody's got lots of great yeah. Charles Barkley stories. But uh, I love CB to death. And the first time I met him was the All-Star Game in Atlanta, um, a year or two after I bought the team, maybe a year and a half after I bought the team. And all these people kept on telling me, Charles Barkley wants to meet you. Charles Barkley wants to meet you. I'm like, great. And it was a long ass night. And so I met him, it must have been six or seven in the morning. And he was in the lobby of his hotel Sending people up. This was back when they had the little um, mini bars and the little mini drinks in the bottles. And so he was sending people up to go to their hotel rooms to bring down their mini bottles so we could sit there and drink them. It was hysterical. Just compile all the time. (laughs) And bam, bam, bam. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. That that sounds like our our little coworker, Charles. Charles is incredible. (laughs) Any others? Um, Last one. We have some... uh, People that work at Bleacher have been here for a long time, and they said, do you still want PR to delete the account? <laughs> that, because of the Dirk tweet. Oh, that thing. Oh. <laughs> hey, I'll stand up for my guys. No, I'll I love I'll always that. stand up for my guys. Yeah. yeah, I remember, oh, I got so much shit, and they got so much grief, too. Yeah. Um, but, hey, got to stand up for my guys. Uh, no, absolutely, as you should. Okay, before we close out, can I get one party story? out of you? One more time, one more ask. Oh, Any no. good party story? Who, I mean, who was the most fun to party with? I mean, Dirk, <laughs> just so many. Oh my God. Like getting kicked out of restaurants. Um, Who got kicked out? Dirk and our crew. <laughs> there was one time, I won't say which player, he knows who he is. We were at um, Vegas and he'd had too much to drink and just blue chow. Right, like people everywhere, but the, there were cabanas at this place, and it was kind of an outdoorsy place. And um, he just blah, <laughs> and the bar guy comes over, and security comes over, ready to throw out somebody for being too drunk. Yeah, and we kind of hide Dirk, 
and they kicked out the two guys that were standing next to him that we had no idea who they were. <laughs> there, there was another time where another player, um, we were walking down the Vegas Strip. We had been at Dre's and we were coming out. It was like eight in the morning, right? And his brother decides to go swimming in the Caesars Fountain. That did not go well. <laughs> not at all. So there's, there's just a lot of those. And like, you know? Vegas seems to be a common thread um, well, in these. Uh, notice I'm not mentioning myself in any of these. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just, nah, I'm not going to self-incriminate myself. No, that's so funny. Okay, hey, I love it. All the party stories I'm into. Thank you so much oh, for your time. You were no, great. it was fun. Yeah, Thank it was fun. you. Yeah, Thank was... you for coming on. Thank you for having us in your domain. appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. <laughs> Also, Twitter, deep dive. Figure out who he's talking about in these stories. You know, there's Twitter detectives. Oh, everywhere. I know. They're, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love yeah, it. And then it's around All-Star Games, too. All-Star Games always yeah. lead to crazy. Always trouble. Yeah. No. Thanks so much. Thanks, Jill. Enjoyed it. Mm-hmm.